This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh... And the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. But this isn't just any Packaday podcast show this week. We are doing a crossover episode like we're an early 2000s sitcom. And we're joined by our co-host on hiatus, Maggie Loney, to bring you Packaday and Pax What She Said as a joint episode. So talk about A Christmas Miracle. We're excited to be here for this. So, of course, I am Kyle Bellows. I'm joined by both co-hosts this week. Just like old times, Andrew Mertig and the aforementioned Maggie Loney. So uh, starting with Maggie, good to have you back. How are you? I'm great. It feels so good to be back. Santa brought me my first Christmas present when we were able to get this recording done tonight. So I appreciate both of you very much um, for filling in for Perry Goldstein. Um, And maybe he'll bring us another present on Sunday with a Packers win over the Dolphins. Yeah, this is really exciting. First of all, I'm really excited for the listeners of Pax What She Said to be super confused because Kyle decided to go with the hard <laughs> Pack Day podcast intro. Listen. So uh, I don't know what people are thinking right now, but uh, like frantically just, searching the podcast. Like this yeah. is the wrong one. Or it's like if you're not looking when your episode ends and then it switches to something else and you're like, oh, OK. And now it's something completely different. Uh, but anyway, it's just like wanted to wish a, a super big happy holidays to uh, Kyle, you and your family. Also, the expanded Loney family. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. And, and congratulations, which we said on the podcast, but I'm sure you had 
uh, maybe a, a few more important things going on at the time. <laughs> and then just hoping that whatever you celebrate, uh, hoping that everybody has a fantastic and restful holiday season. You know, the Packers, of course, had a pretty respectable win versus the Rams on Monday, but things get really tough now. This isn't the Bears. It's not the Rams. The Packers need to take another step to deal with a team as talented as the Dolphins on Christmas Day. Yeah, football on Christmas is uh, kind of fun. I refuse to let the re- results of a football game taint my Christmas day. So I need the Packers to win this one, right? <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to have to go full-fledged into focusing on the fact that the draft pick will be higher. That's how I'm planning on dealing with a potential Packers loss. Got to have a plan. But we don't want that. We want the W. We want the playoffs. Or at least we want the hope of a playoff game, right? That's where we're at. But uh, we are back with another Friday round of key matchups and X-Factors to help you all get ready for this week's game. As we always do, we're going to dive into the Dolphins this week, uh, their roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in the game. Uh, But then, of course, at the end of the show, we're going to share those X-Factor predictions as well. So let's go ahead and get started Uh, Andrew, what is your first matchup that you're going to be watching when Green Bay travels south to Miami for this football game? Yeah, I'm going to start out with an easy one, and that is Tyree Kill versus Jair Alexander. I I picked this exact matchup last year when the Packers played the Chiefs. Um, And in that game, if if you don't remember, Hill was held to four catches for 37 yards, and I'm sure Tyreek is out there trying to attempt uh, to exact his revenge. So it, it will be a fascinating to see how Joe Barry approaches this matchup. Alexander doesn't usually get to like travel with a wide receiver, but you know, it could this game potentially be an exception. Um, Hill is currently the number one rated uh, graded wide receiver by pro football focus. If you're into that. And I think the Packers are going to play a ton of off coverage zone and just do their best not to give up explosive plays over the top. But despite that, the dolphins um, you know, while they've outright refused to take checkdowns, especially in the boundary during their recent stretch of offensive struggles, they're going to give Jair and Tyreek the opportunity to go one on one on some occasions. I, I think, you know, the Dolphins deep passing game is going to open up the run game. But early in the game, you, you have to think Mike McDaniel is going to be tempted to stay patient which is not necessarily something that they've shown a willingness to do. Um, and, and I understand that, right? He has all sorts of fun toys on the outside. But five to ten times in this game, there's going to be a crucial play. Maybe it's a third down. Maybe it's a long, deep bomb where Hill and Alexander are going to be fighting for the ball. Whether that's in man or zone, I don't think it really matters. The winner of the majority of those matchups will flip the balance of this game. That is absolutely just going to be an entertaining matchup regardless of how it goes. We hope it goes in Alexander's direction, of course, but really, really fun football. Uh, My next matchup here is Packers edge rushers versus the right tackle Brandon Shell. We all knew that losing Rashawn Gary was going to be really tough uh, for this defense, uh, but it's been fun watching the guys like Kingsley and Igbari take full advantage of those opportunities, and Preston Smith had two sacks last week, so some good things happening there. This week, they get Brandon Shell. Now, Teron Armstead is rock solid, and he's on the left side. Shell is a really good run blocker, 
but he's atrocious in pass protection. So he's kind of got two different ways he plays, one really well and the other not so much. In fact, uh, PFF has only graded seven tackles that have been worse than Shell as a pass protector this season. So he's bad there. Uh, so this group of Green Bay edge rushers should absolutely have an opportunity to get some pressure on Tua from that right side of the offensive line on Sunday. Yeah, so one of my matchups this week is Matt LaFleur versus Mike McDaniel. And, you know, just as Matt LaFleur came in and kind of rejuvenated the Packers in 2019, Mike McDaniel is having that same impact right now on the Dolphins in his first year as their head coach. LaFleur and McDaniel have been coaching, you know, together in the past. They have a history. And McDaniel literally was quoted saying that LaFleur is one of the best people he knows, like hands down the most trustworthy, one of just the, the greatest best people. Um, so, you know, as close as they are off the field, LaFleur hasn't really fared well recently against some of his buddies on the field. He obviously lost to Robert Sala and the Jets this season, and he's had plenty of heartbreakers um, lost to Kyle Shanahan's 49ers. So, you know, these are two really fun offensive minded head coaches. They like to get creative. So, McDaniel's unit is ninth in the league right now and points four. And LaFleur's offense finally is looking a little bit more dynamic this year with the emergence of Christian Watson, the return of Romeo Dobbs to complement the combination of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So if this is an offensive shootout, which, you know, it could end up being, I think McDaniel and LaFleur will both really enjoy digging into their bag of tricks for this one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of fascinating, Mike McDaniel being the run game coordinator. Obviously, him and LaFleur have worked together. Um, you would think that the Dolphins would have a really run-oriented attack. And in fact, that really hasn't been the case. And you wonder if the success of Mostert, um, at least, you know, in, in the very recent history of the Dolphins, and certainly against the Packers, uh, in a little bit more distant history will encourage McDaniel to get back to that a little bit to help set up those deep bombs instead of kind of the other way where I think the Dolphins are using their long passing game to set up the run game. Um, I'm going to flip it over to the other side of the ball and talk about the Packers offensive line versus Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb uh, and the Packers offensive line. They've been playing significantly better over the last month. There's a possibility that we could see David Bakhtiari. I don't think this is very likely <laughs> given uh, the updates that, that we've heard recently, but I, I would argue they haven't faced a test like the Dolphins in that stretch. So this unit, which has some really difficult times keeping Aaron Rodgers clean at least early in the season is going to get pushed to their limits. Phillips has emerged as an elite edge in the league in his second year. And um, with the acquisition of Bradley Chubb pushing the edges, the Packers will not be able to help their interior players as much as they have. Enter Christian Wilkins, who pushes the pocket about as well as any defensive lineman in the NFL. The offense can really help out the line by dedicating itself to the run game and quick passes. Um, we know sometimes they've been successful that, with that. Sometimes they haven't. But the Dolphins also possess depth. You, you look at former Badger Andrew Van Ginkle. He's having a really nice career. Uh, of course, everybody knows about veteran Melvin Ingram. He provides a threat on the edge, even at his advanced age and a name most of you probably haven't heard of is Zach Seiler. He is one of the best run stopping defensive linemen in the entire NFL. And of course that doesn't usually come with a lot of publicity, but Seeler, even though he's kind of just a pocket pusher in the pass game is going to affect how the Packers react to 
the pass rush because um, if he's effective in helping them and helping to stop the Packers run game, those pass rushers are going to have a chance to really eat in third and long situations. So if the Packers offensive line is, is good in this game, they will have a chance to score enough points to keep up with Miami's offense. If they're not, that's going to spell a whole heck of a lot of problems. Oh, man. Let's talk about Keyshawn Nixon versus the Dolphins' coverage unit, okay? Uh, I like this one. The Dolphins have allowed the ninth most yardage to punt returners this season. They average giving up almost 11 yards per punt return, and we know that Nixon's confidence is only growing right now. Rodgers has been talking him up. The coaches have admitted that they kind of wish that they would have given him some of those opportunities earlier in the year. They didn't know what they had in this guy, right? And so you know he's going to get a chance to impact the game when he touches the ball. And this might be one of those games where you're willing to take a few more risks on special teams trying to get that big play because of the firepower that the opposing offense has. So I'll be watching Nixon to see if he can break one in this matchup against the Dolphins' below-average coverage unit. Um, before I get into my matchup, I just want to know, Andrew, how you didn't make any type of joke about, um, like sealing sealer, the run game, like uh, that felt like it was just low hanging fruit there for you. And, you know, historically you make those kinds of jokes. So I was a little disappointed. I was waiting for the same thing. I was like written into that. That was like a, (laughs) it was a softball. It was like right there for the big hit and he just didn't take it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I missed that big time, and I'm embarrassed. Um, I do know Zach Sealer, pretty flexible guy. Uh, some people would refer to him as Flex Seal. Oh my gosh, uh, we should have just moved on and left. You should have. I wish you would have. I wish you would have. I will not edit this. He out. apologized to the me. listeners for not giving him a joke, but now he needs to apologize for the joke that <laughs> he the made. Joke. I'm not sorry to people that listen to Packaday. Quite frankly, oh yeah, yeah, they know like, what they're getting. <laughs> they know what they're getting on Friday. Yeah, I'm gonna but apologize for, for the people what she said. said. <laughs> sorry, we're so sorry. <laughs> All right, so my uh, second key matchup is Aaron Rodgers versus Javon Holland and Xavier Howard. Um, Rodgers has thrown ten picks so far this season, which is the third time in his entire career that he's thrown double-digit interceptions. And it's kind of crazy to think we still have three games left of the regular season. Just Aaron Rodgers not necessarily looking like vintage Aaron Rodgers. So in the Dolphins secondary, obviously, there's Holland and Howard. They've combined for only three picks so far, but they have 14 passes defense between the two of them. Holland is on the injury report this week, but he should be able to play. And if he does, Rodgers is just going to have to be mindful of those two guys in that secondary because we've seen a lot of miscommunication this season between Rodgers and his receivers. Obviously, there was the one against the Rams with Lazard that led to the Rodgers interception. And then he and Watson were also on separate pages late in the game at the goal line. Um, so there's there's too much talent in this Dolphins secondary for the Finns to not capitalize on some of those mistakes or those miscues. So I think it's going to be up to Rodgers specifically, you know, to not make some of those mistakes. Because the last thing you want to do in these situations is give the Dolphins extra attempts to score even more points against this Packers defense. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen Rodgers be more interception prone than 
we've really seen in his career. And so uh, the Dolphins with with all of those playmakers, that, that will be interesting. Uh, I know that Kyle talked about Brandon Shell a little bit. The Dolphins offensive line is really interesting in the fact that they actually have three really talented players and then two not-so-talented players, and it has created a, a really negative situation. I know people often, when they talk about offensive line play, will you know talk about, well, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? Like the old, old chain saying. And and that's true in, in a lot of ways. You can have three really, really good players, some of them borderline pro bowlers, and then um, two really bad players, and, and it affects your entire offense. And while that Dolphins offensive line, I would say, is maybe okay overall, if you average it out, um, they will have to find a way to uh, get into the second level of this Packers defense. So if Mike McDaniel wants to commit to the run game, which I think given what we've seen out of this Packers defense recently, he absolutely should. He's going to have a challenge getting the linemen off their blocks to their second level. Well, enter Alec Ingold, uh, who is one of the best fullbacks in the league. Also happens to be a Green Bay native, former Bayport Pirate, former Wisconsin Badger, and one of the greatest stories you'll ever read. So if you don't know anything about Alec Ingold, a um, lot of really cool stuff out there about him being adopted as a kid and his upbringing and stuff. So uh, check that out. Easy guy to root for. Um, but then you take a look at the Packers linebackers. Devondre has not been anywhere close to his 2021 form. On the other side, you sort of see Quay Walker ascending. Uh, two two players kind of going in different directions. So no matter which player it is, they'll be charged with slowing down the Dolphins' running attack. And Ingold is going to be coming through the hole trying to prevent them from doing just that. If Ingold gets the better of this matchup, we may be seeing some of the back of Raheem Mostert's jersey, which I think we can all agree is just really traumatic, and we don't want to revisit that. Um, but in addition... To the whole run game thing, Ingold is a pretty darn good receiver uh, who is often unaccounted for because of all the other weapons in the Miami Dolphins offense. So that is another layup to this match, layer to this matchup. Uh, not a layup, in fact. And it's going to require a really good performance out of Quay and Devondre to, to keep this Dolphins offense in check. Okay, I need to know, is it Mostert or Mostert? Uh, it's I whatever I said was wrong. It felt wrong coming <laughs> is out. That a, is I that a is that a Wisconsin know. is that a Wisconsin accent? <laughs> it's my California. It's accent. It's the California <laughs> accent. I've always said Mostert, so and I usually assume no, that that's I'm correct. Wrong. It so, is. All right, it mean, is Mostert. I, I don't know what happened to me there. I just wanted to check on you, make sure you're you're okay. Um, you're 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 welcome. So the reason I, I clarify because I'm about to talk about Mr. Mostert here, and just kind of more of a general way, right? Because you talked about it. Mostert versus this Packers defense is a big deal. As Andrew alluded to, Raheem still kind of gives Packers fans some nightmares when he's on the field. He's playing really well right now. This hasn't changed. He's still a great player. He had a signature run against the Bills where he broke six tackles on one play. So he can absolutely break those tackles, which is kind of crazy. When he came into the league, he weighed like 190 pounds. So the fact that he's a tackle-breaking guy um, or he can do that is really interesting and kind of fun. Uh, at the same time, 
He had 142 yards before contact in that Bills game, I believe. So he's just a dynamic and dangerous player. Honestly, health is really what's kept him from being more of a household name and someone who consistently produces. Um, We know that this Dolphins team has plenty of speed and playmakers. We know the names of Waddle. We know Tyreek. But Mostert is another one that they're just going to have to be careful that he's not the reason that they're beat on Sunday. Yeah, it feels like anywhere you look on this Dolphins team, you're pointing at a reason that the Packers could lose or should lose. So um, I guess, you know, that kind of segues into my last matchup, and it's the Packers versus looking too far ahead. And I'm going to go outside the box for this one and just talk about the fact that, you know, the Packers are obviously on a two-game winning streak. If they can finish running the table, winning their last three games, then they've got a really good shot at making the playoffs. But they lose this game. Their postseason hopes are basically dashed at that point and non-existent. So winning on the road in Miami is not going to be easy, obviously, for all the reasons you listed. You've got the boogeyman Mostert. You've got Hill. You've got Waddle. Green Bay also hasn't played well on the road this year. They've won only two of their seven road games, and those were against below 500 teams. So when you think of it like that, there's a lot stacked against the Packers. And, you know, there's plenty of reasons why they, they likely could struggle against the Dolphins in this game. And it doesn't help then when you read things like the Packers dope sheet that talks about how they're on a 14 game win streak in the month of December, which is the second longest streak in NFL history. So that sounds like a jinx, first of all, if I've ever (laughs) heard one. But I think this is also a Packers team that played arguably its most complete game all season against the Rams. And, you know, the offense is starting to kind of roll the defense contained and I'll you know, the pretty bad Rams rushing attack and force some turnovers. Um, Nixon has been a revelation for this team. So I think, you know, the Packers have a chance to get hot, pun intended, even though it's not going to be hot in Miami this weekend. And if they win this one, I like their chances, honestly, of of winning out. But as LaFleur likes to say, you simply have to go 1-0 and every week. So I think that is where this team starts, is you can't look too far ahead. You can't think about it as, you know, trying to stay in playoff contention. You just have to go 1-0 and and beat a Dolphins team and not get too far ahead of yourselves at that point. And now we're going to transition over into our X factors uh, for this table breaking matchup between the Packers and Dolphins. Still in the show, Doc. I love it. Now it's emphasized. Yeah, the packs, which she said people are going to be like, what is wrong with these guys? Um, anyway, there's lots. <laughs> they were going to think that anyway. Yeah, lots so of things. Whatever. Lean way, into it, man. Long list of things that are wrong with us. But anyway, uh, X Factors for this week. Um, I'm going to go with AJ Dillon here. And it's kind of easy to pick someone like Dillon because of the way he's been playing lately. A month ago, maybe this would have seemed like a more creative and surprising selection. Uh, but now he's been hot and the Packers have been using him more and more. But I think Green Bay leans on Dillon this week quite a bit. First, he's been good. And I think the Packers are still trying to monitor the workload that they're giving to Aaron Jones. We don't know the severity of the injury that he's dealing with, but it sure does seem like he's dealing with something every week. And so they're trying to be careful with that. But um, I think Dylan's going to get the touches. Secondly here, if the Packers are going to win this game, it's going to require sustaining drives. They can't, they can score quickly. That's great. If they score quickly every time, fine. But I really think that they need to require, sustain some drives, eat up some clock. It's going to mean uh, that they can do that, not leave a lot of time for this explosive offense that the Miami Dolphins have to be on the field. Uh, They're going to need someone like Dylan to move the chains, wear down this Miami defense. And I don't know if Green Bay has the horses to beat this Miami team on the road. But if they get it done, I'll bet that A.J. Dylan has a big game. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm going to go with uh, Rasul Douglas, and I, I'm not necessarily optimistic about the matchup with the Green Bay corners and the Miami receivers, but if the Packers want to have a chance in this game, it has to be because Rasul has a really big one. At, at times, Tua can be susceptible to throwing some interceptable balls, and I think Rasul is probably going to get targeted a lot in this game, regardless of who which wide receiver is on his side so i think douglas is the x factor in this game one way or the other it could be because he gets two interceptions it could also be because he's part of a defensive performance where tyree kill and jalen waddle combined for 300 receiving yards uh which one of those two things it is probably determines the outcome of the game and then you know as a result the packers playoff hopes yeah, so I'm going to take Kenny Clark with mine. I tweeted during the Rams game that Kenny Clark was starting to look like Mr. December again. And one of the responses that I got was, yeah, because he's playing against a Rams offensive line that's had 14 different configurations this season. And I get that 100%. But in order for this Packers team to have an actual shot at making the playoffs, the defense has to play better. And a lot of that is going to depend on the pass rush and Kenny Clark. And if Kenny Clark is able to look more like Kenny Clark, um, so the pass rush as, as a whole, you know, looked good against the Rams. They sacked Baker Mayfield five times. And without Rashawn Gary in the lineup, we kind of knew, you know, when that injury took place, that this was going to be an uphill climb for the rest of the season, was generating any type of pass rush, regardless of who was under center for the opposing team. So it's going to be all hands on deck this week again against Tua. You know, you've got Kenny Clark, obviously, Preston Smith, J.J. Anikbare. Um, you guys talked about some of those pass rushers already, but it's going to take everybody to get after Tua, who's having a really great year. He's only thrown five picks, and he's only taken 19 sacks in the 12 games that he's played. So getting pressure on him, and you know, I think a lot of that is going to start with Kenny Clark and the offensive line. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWS's Podcast, on all other social media at said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. And... Thank you for downloading and subscribing and making sure that you follow the podcast everywhere that you can listen to your favorite shows. Go Pack Go!